Hi, I'm Nathan, and this is ChimeraCast, traditionally a Dungeon World actual play podcast, but today is Seaside, we're going to be playing Trophy Gold by Jesse Ross, and we're playing with the one and only Jason Cordova of the Gauntlet Gaming Group. If you're interested in Trophy, you can find them at TrophyRPG.com, or check out Codices Dark and Gold on DriveThruRPG for the respective Trophies Dark and Gold. If you're feeling up to it, check out Jason on Twitter at JasonCordova6, or you can find us at Twitter and Instagram, at ChimeraCast. And while I've got you on the line, we've got some t-shirts for sale designed by Joe at Nightmare Imagery on Instagram. We're really proud of them, so go to thechimera.bigcartel.com to check those out. Thanks a lot. So we are playing Trophy Gold. The incursion that we're doing is called Hester's Mill. I want to start by having all of us introduce ourselves. When I call on you, please just say your name, your pronouns, and anything else you'd like for us to know about you. I'll start. My name is Jason. I'm going to be the GM today. I use he, him. I am the founder of the Gauntlet Gaming Community, and I am the publisher of this game that we are playing. Nathan. Uh, hi, I'm Nathan. I, I use he, him. I do ChimeraCast. There's not a whole lot else for me to say there, as you're going to hear that quite a bit. So, Zach. Uh, hi, I'm Zach. He, him. And yes, I also do the ChimeraCast with this this group. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I'm JD. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, I founded the Chimera, which eventually led to the creation of ChimeraCast. So I also am on ChimeraCast. Awesome. Three-headed Chimera. love it so i want to begin by doing a procedure called cats cats is an acronym that stands for concept aim tone and subject matter i like to do this before games that i run in order to establish some basic expectations at the table of what we're going to be doing so the concept of trophy gold trophy gold is an old school fantasy game it is about desperate treasure hunters going into the lost and forgotten places of the world in order to retrieve valuable antiquities and money so that they can satisfy some sort of drive that they have. They are desperate characters. They're always having to deal with the possibility of not being able to meet their financial burdens and having to ultimately retire into destitution and poverty. We bill it as an old school fantasy game, but with a modern sort of story game approach to things. This particular incursion we're doing is called Hester's Mill. I don't want to say too much about it except to say that it was written by myself. 
it's the first official incursion for Trophy Gold, although there are many more coming. It's very much my style of adventure. It's about an abandoned, it's an abandoned mystery village with a bad, with a dark history. That's what I like to do. So that's what this is. The aim of today is to, after I'm done with my spiel, I'm going to talk a little bit about character creation. You all will make characters. We'll introduce those characters. And then after character introduction, I will go through a couple of highlights in the rule set that we kind of need to know before we get started. And then we'll just play. I think we'll be able to finish this incursion in the time that we all have together. The tone of the game is fairly dark. It's not bleak. Trophy dark is bleak. Trophy gold is just dark. <laughs> um, <laughs> your characters can survive. They can live. They can go on to have meaningful, if hard scrabble lives. In Trophy Dark, the companion game, they don't. But it, there's going to be moments of levity, of course. That's natural and that's expected. But in general, you want to kind of maintain a dark tone, I think. The main subject matter concern for Hester's Mill, um, I'll just call them out, cannibalism, ritual slash satanic type sacrifice, demons, lots of blood and gore. And yeah, that's, those are the main ones. Oh, uh, there's a thematic side note of pregnancy and birth that comes up a lot. So if that's a thing for you, you might want to be aware of it. We'll have three safety tools on the table today. The first is the open door policy. It would be weird in this context, but you can just leave <laughs> if, it's, if it's not working for you. Yeah. Um, it is a thing. Uh, we'll also use the X card if something happens in the game that you find to be upsetting or it's uncomfortable in an unfun way for you. You can say X card or type it in the chat and we will change whatever it was. I might ask you what's being X carded, but I will never ask you why is it being X carded. And then we're also going to have lines and veils. That's my preferred favorite safety tool. Uh, lines are things that we just are not going to do in the game at all. And veils are things that we prefer to have behind a veil. Um, we're okay with them being in the game. We just don't want to role play it or see it on screen. I will say my lines and veils. I will give you all some time to think about it. If you have any that you wish to add, you can message me or you can say them right now. My main line is I don't want to do sexual violence. Uh, I prefer not to have sexual violence in games. We're not going to do that. For veils, I don't think it will come up, but I prefer to have torture and violence against small children to be uh, behind a veil. So those are mine. Uh, I'll just wait a moment to see if you all have anything to add. Is that no additions? Great. So let's go ahead and introduce these characters. When I call on you, just give us the basic information about your character, their name, their drive, their occupation, background, any rituals if you have them. If you have something fun in your backpack, that might be kind of fun to go through as well. And then if you have any thoughts on your character's backstory at this point or what their motivations are apart from their drive or just anything else about them, you can tell us that too. But we will spend a lot of time in play figuring that stuff out as well. So it's okay if you don't know anything beyond just the basic character information at this point. I'm going to go in the order of the sheet. So Nathan, please tell us about Ezio. Uh, hi. Playing Ezio, who uh, he uses he, him. His drive is to retire in comfort in the Rose District of Evare, which we will ex uh, explore what that means. But I think that Ezio is kind of a, a bougie... Uh, he is a, a liberated prisoner, so I think these are closer to more like blue-collar crimes. I had the idea that he somehow worked in the courts and was uh, convicted of something. 
He uh he is a lockpick occupation, uh, which gives me acrobatics, security, and surprise. The rituals I took are darkness, which uh, a living shadow snuffs out all natural and magical light nearby, which I think is going to be really fun. And mirror, which allows me to take on the form of a known person or animal. Oh, nice. I can I'm I'm duplicitous and sneaky. And yeah, why not? Am I for the uh, my backpack? I have candles and a mirror, which are great because I love looking at myself and I need light to do that. But I have I have perfume, and so I'm 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 very well scented. I am very excited about this. Uh, did I? Uh, I think that's all I got. Is there anything I missed? I should point out. I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any questions about the character, but I don't. You've painted a pretty good picture so far of of Ezio having the drive of retiring in the comfort of the Rose District of Ambare implies a lot about your character. Just because that's your drive, like just this desire to have like comfort and luxury be the main thing that drives you, I think tells us a lot, but we're going to explore that more as we go. Uh, thank you. Um, Zachary, tell, tell us about hmm, Sarah or Saray. What do you think? Uh, Saray. I think that sounds great. Uh, Sister Saray is a defrocked priest is her background priestess. Uh, she has a skill of omens. Uh, since leaving her church, uh, she has the occupation of bodyguard. Protection, speed, and vigilance are the skills that she has earned in her time. And uh, the ritual I took is swarm. I can, let me make sure I read this correctly. Trade favors with a colony of vermin. Uh <laughs> I believe this is uh, potentially one of the main reasons that she is no longer a part of the, the priesthood. She has become uh, connected with the supernatural and the unclean, the vermin, the rats, the bugs, the nasties. She speaks with them. My drive, most importantly, is to commission a glorious statue to my deity. I I gotta get back in his good graces. Maybe maybe perhaps the realms of men have sought to banish me and push me out. But this is one way uh, to really prove my my faith to my God. I love it. It's great. I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions about that deity as we go. I think, but so maybe be thinking about what that means. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I like that you have a a scroll tube that's a mystery. You don't know what's in it because it's sealed. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited for that. Yeah, that's that's totally going to come up, I'm sure. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Awesome, thank you. Uh, JD, tell us about Thistle. Yeah, so he was a plagued farmer. So I know about plants. My current occupation in the party is as the leech, so I can do forensics and I know herbs and surgery. I'm the medicine man, basically. His drive is to take Cyrus's place at the Earthen Council. My thought on that is that Cyrus cursed Thessal, or at least Thessal blames Cyrus for the for the curse that he can't grow plants, which is why I have the ritual wither, so I can reduce flora to ash and rot. So I know about herbs and plants and can gather them, but I could never make anything grow. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So in my backpack, I've got a bag of hard candies, um, a skinny knife, and a winter wolf pelt, and then I I wear a bundle of dried flowers which protects me uh, and i carry my scythe around from my farming days because that was the only sharp big weapon i had <laughs> nice good i love it i think your character is going to fit right in to hester's mill i have a feeling <laughs> so that's great before we start play i want to go over just a few things about the rules and the gameplay that are helpful to know before we get started the first is that this is a traditionally gm'd game I'm operating off of a skeletal adventure structure called an incursion. And 
it has a lot of information in it. It tells me a lot of things about the adventuring location, but it is skeletal. It is really on us as a group to flesh out what the story is, right? To add blood and sinew to the bones of the skeleton, right? And the main way we do that is through a die roll called the risk roll. The risk roll comes up essentially anytime you're doing something where it's risky or the stakes are high and it's not combat, okay? And part of the the risk roll is called the devil's bargain. And the devil's bargain is truly the engine that makes trophy go dark and gold. It's an opportunity for the other players and myself to shape the story, basically. We can say, okay, you know, you're trying to jump across this ravine. And in order for you to get another die roll to have a better chance at succeeding, I offer the devil's bargain. You're going to jump across the ravine, but on the other side of the ravine is your lover who you've been trying to get away from for the last few years or something like that, right? (laughs) So the idea is in order to get this die roll that makes it so you might succeed, you you will take that offer. And everyone can make an offer and you can choose to accept any one of them or none of them in order to, to get a die. That is the main thing you need to understand about how the story is shaped in Trophy Gold. It's mostly me delivering things to you and you reacting, but the Devil's Bargain is your opportunity to really make things go in some strange and wild and cool directions, okay? So understand that. The next thing... I want to talk about in terms of the rules are the way the incursion is structured is called sets and every set has a set goal. I will always tell you what the set goal is. Even if it's something that your character would not know, you as a player know what the set goal is. The reason why we have this separation between in-character information and out-of-character information is so that you can, as a player, make a more informed decision about the principal currency in the game, which is called hunt roll tokens. You're going to be doing what are called hunt rolls, and you're going to be collecting these tokens. And you can spend the tokens one for one to find a treasure. Or as a group, you can come up with three hunt roll tokens and automatically accomplish the set goal. You can accomplish the set goal just in the in the gameplay normally, but if you want to short circuit it, you can spend three hunt roll tokens to accomplish it. And there's lots of reasons why you might want to do that Maybe your characters are really hurt and you need to just move on. Maybe you just think it would be interesting for this thing to happen right now. But in any case, by knowing the set goal as a player, you're allowed to make that informed decision about when and how to spend your hunt roll tokens. Your hunt roll tokens represent another way of you as a player having some control over the narrative. As an example of how the treasure one might work, let's say you are doing the classic cutting open a mattress to see if the farmer has hit all this silver in the mattress. And I say, well, no, there's not, but you get a hunt roll token. So here, have your hunt roll token. And then you say, ah, I'm going to spend that hunt roll token. I think there is something in the mattress. And then I can decide, I have to give you a treasure and I can say, okay, yeah, you're right. There is, there is something in the mattress. Or it could be like, no, there's nothing in the mattress, but on the nightstand, there's a pitcher, a, a pewter pitcher that's, that's engraved and it's probably worth something. You could take that instead. It's just your way of kind of like having a little bit of extra control over kind of how your characters benefit and what you accomplish in the story. I guess the last thing I want to talk about as far as the rules go is more of a gameplay thing. This is much more in the OSR gaming tradition, which is to say you have to do the right things. You have to look in the right places. You have to ask the right questions. 
in order to accomplish things. It is not, by comparison, Dungeon World, where if you manage to trigger the discern realities of the spout lore, you learn things. You have to kind of look in the right places. Like, you'll do a hunt roll, and you might succeed on the hunt roll, and I'll say... Okay, but you don't actually learn anything because there's nothing here to learn. <laughs> but but you do get a token. You always you know you get your token. You just don't what you were looking for. There's just nothing there. It's about like problem solving, right? Keep that in mind as well. And with all of that said, I think I'm done with all my introductory matter and I'm ready to begin. Do you all have any questions before we get going? Not immediately. No. no. Awesome. Hester's Mill. Over a century ago, there was. In the land of Torrens Bend, this ruler, a usurper lord called Galdrin. And Lord Galdrin was a heretic, and he routinely defied the teachings of the sisters, who are these sort of omnipresent saints in the setting. He defied the teachings of the sisters, going so far as to mock Hester, saint of the harvest, and the most revered figure in the lands called Torrens Bend. Now, the people of Hester's Mill, which is a village, that was loyal to this lord. They were said to be extreme religious fanatics in the histories that we know, and they rose up against Lord Galdrin because of his heresy and overthrew him. They burned down his keep, they murdered all of his soldiers, and this part of the story is funny because it doesn't make any sense that villagers should be able to do this, but nevertheless, it's the story that people tell. And in that story, we know that the sisters, and St. Hester in particular, were so appalled by the brutality of the people of Hester's Mill that they laid a curse upon all of the land, this region called Torrens Bend. The land went fallow, and the village of Hester's Mill withered away. Now, Torrens Bend eventually recovered, but the lands remain uninhabited because people are too superstitious to repopulate them. And so it's just kind of overgrown. It's just growing wild and overgrown at this point. The three of you believe that Hester's Mill and its surrounding area contain valuables that can be sold to merchants and antiquarians and other people. And so you are heading to this land, this cursed land, this blighted land or formerly blighted land of Torrens Bend, seeking the village of Hester's Mill, hoping perhaps to find the treasures that they might have stolen from this Lord Galdrin when they overthrew him. And so we begin with the first set, which is called Torrens Bend. And the set goal is to find the road to Hester's Mill, the village. Now, the region known as Torrens Bend is so named because its northern border is a semicircular bend in the titanic Torren River. As I've mentioned, it's almost entirely uninhabited despite the fact that it is some of the most arable land on the continent. Its formerly bustling roads are long overgrown, and the area hasn't been reliably mapped in decades, and so you're kind of going there, this overgrown place, trying to just find this road to this village. And I think you arrive in Torrens Bend fairly late in the day, though still daytime. The sun is hanging very high in the sky, golden and hot. And at one point, you see a wild patch of fat round pumpkins, and these sort of blazing fall colors, gold, orange, green, purple. And you arrive at a statue. And beyond the statue, maybe another eighth of a mile or so, there are the ruins of Lord Galdron's Keep, which was overthrown a hundred years ago. Now, this statue 
is posed in a manner that you will recognize, Saray, because of your background in the priesthood. It's posed in a manner that the sisters, statues of the sisters are normally posed in, which is arms crossed, holding the tools of their of their office or whatever they're like known for. But this is a statue of a man. His arms are crossed and he's holding a sickle in one hand, or a scythe rather, and a sword. And the statue's on a little plinth. I'm going to just swing over to... Let's start with Ezio. Ezio, what do you do? Oh, by the gods alive. Oh, woe is me, it is so hot. Ezio wanders over to the base of the statue and pulls a handkerchief out of his pocket and sprays it with perfume and begins dabbing at his very damp forehead. <laughs> okay. His receding hairline and all. Oh, do either of you have any idea where we're going? Is it to this... Uh, the, the the ruins behind us, or why, 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 where are we going? What is this statue? It would appear that this statue is in a pose I'm familiar with, albeit not in such a way. It appears to be forceful and uninviting, not one I'm familiar with. So you don't know anything? It, does not, it tells us nothing. Is that what you're telling me? Is he pointing? I, like, look up and, like, like trace the line of the sword and, like, See if it's going in one direction and walk kind of comically over to one of, like, it just run almost into a tree. No! Ugh. I'm gonna start, like, kicking around at the dirt and wandering, in, like, a little farther into the forest. I like that. So, it's you mentioned the sword, and maybe seeing if the sword pointed towards something, which is a good, like, kind of puzzly sort of thing, right? I, I like that. Are you looking for something in particular right now? I suppose... I'm gonna. I follow the path of the sword. I'm gonna start walking in the path of the sword <laughs> and see if it see if it takes me to something that looks like something that what we're looking for. Ezio <laughs> Ezio has nothing in mind. I have nothing in mind for the things that I could run into here, but hopefully that's something. I like it. This is what we would call a hunt roll. So the hunt roll is when you press ever deeper in pursuit of your goal. Say how you're exploring your environment. And then you're going to gather some dice. And you've already told us how you're exploring your environment. You're surmising that this sword points to something. And so you're going to follow it to see if it like leads to something, which I think is a good plan. You get a light die just for doing it, just for asking questions about the world. You get another light die if you have a skill or a piece of equipment that would make this easier or that you can exploit in some way. What do you think? I don't believe that I do. I don't believe that security or surprise or even acrobatics is particularly great in in uh, just following a line. Yeah, uh, per yeah. Perfume isn't going to help me here, though I'm doused in it. Now, I will tell you, you have three open backpack slots. And mm. what that means is, uh, if you're familiar with Dungeon World, these are this is like adventuring gear. You can go in there and kind of rifle around and see what you brought. I'm going to take a look, but I'm I'm probably just going to go with one. Yeah, take a look. I'm going to cut over to Thessel while you do that. Thessel, what are you doing? Thessel's probably distracted. Likewise, dealing with this heat, although he's much more comfortable with it, uh, he has probably stripped down, like taken his shirt and his pelt off that he normally was wearing during the travels, and his, his extremely tan, dark skin, kind of withered from being out in the sun so much, is gleaming with sweat, but he's he's very comfortable with this and used to it. His hair in a couple of braids, like pigtails down the side. And Thessel, I mean, this is all overgrown. Thessel is distracted by, I think, the growth here, right? And is, especially since they've stopped to kind of look at the statue, I will be poking around trying to 
find things that are growing that are useful. Yeah, I like it. So that's a hunt roll. Uh, you get a light die just for doing it, and it sounds like you're using your plants skill. Yeah, either that or the herb skill for my my leech. Yeah, in either case, you get your light die. So on our little die roller thing, you'll just type in forward slash hunt and then two, and we're looking for the high die. So it's a four, so I get a token, but I encounter something terrible. Did you do? Go ahead and note your token. You encounter something terrible. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let me cut back over to Saray. In the meantime, Saray, what are you up to? I I assume that you were leading us, Ezio, because you were the first to kind of engage with your surroundings. And then the other compatriot has stopped to muddle around amongst the pumpkins and the overgrowth. Yeah, I would have been traveling much slower than you two. My arms are out and pointing at both directions <laughs> where where you're like looking amongst the weeds for something. And Ezio apparently is trouncing off left of the keep. Like the keep is right. You said it was behind the statue. It's a little beyond the statue. Yeah. yeah. And Ezio has gone off to the left. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where are you all going? Should we not be checking the keep? Ezio, Ezio has turned around and he is and he is looking down the length of his arm and pointing at the at the statue. See that, that you're not thinking hard enough. It is a puzzle. It is a it is a trap. I have figured it out. The, the keep is where we are heading, is it not? All roads should lead and go through there. Why are we? And you want to walk right to it? That's what a fool would do. <laughs> Let's do your hunt roll, Ezio. Uh, do a forward slash hunt one. Cool, yeah. I have. I am not using any sort of gear. Three. Encounters something terrible. Who could have guessed that walking backward into an overgrown area <laughs> could give me something terrible? We shall talk about that as well. Okay, well, all that said, I'm going to go over to Thessal. Because Thessal, it sounds like you're a little bit behind the group. <laughs> as you're, so you, you're, you've slowed down quite a bit. And you hear something in the overgrowth as you're rooting around for herbs or vegetables, whatever you're looking for. And you look to your right to see what the sound is, and you'll see what appears to be a large, like a, what, what do we call weasel-type animals? Oh, man, I do know the word for that. Oh, no. I know the, I know, <laughs> I know the word for it, too. In any case, it's a large weasel, okay? It's like the size of a large dog. And it's just kind of staring at you, sort of partially obscured in the overgrowth. It's not approaching. It's still a good... 20 or 30 paces away, but it's whispering something to you. Mm. You can hear it whispering. What do you do? I think I'm going to crouch down. Normally, like seeing a weasel is not really a big deal. This is a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one, but that's all right. Been around big animals before. And so I think I'm going to I'm going to like crouch down and and kind of get on its eye level and look at it. Good. We'll come back to that. Okay. Ezio, you are walking at a strange angle. <laughs> a strange angle to the ruins of the keep and this statue. You know, as you've all described it, you're sort of hollering back and forth to sort of like Saray and you are hollering back and forth to each other, right? <laughs> and I think as you are maybe not paying super close attention to the ground because of that, you step in something soft. The ground becomes noticeably softer and squishier beneath your left boot. What do you do? 
in the midst of my pantomimed conversation with Saray, uh, I step into the into this soft mud, immediately thinking that I have stepped in shit. I look down at my very nice boots. And let me stop you there. Because it's not mud. It is a thick, squirming, writhing ball of vipers <laughs> that are just sort of tangled in each other underneath the, the overgrowth. What do you do, Ezio? Screech like a banshee and run towards Saray. <laughs> Indeed. What are you doing again? Uh, I was crouching down. It's Mustelid, I think, by the way. is the... Mustelid, yes. yes. <laughs> it's really Mustelid. bothering me. <laughs> I knew that too. I, I should know that. I've run this like 900 times, and I and I've always have that word at hand, but not today. Anyway, crouching down in order to accomplish what? Uh, I'm going to squint at it, and I'm, I'm trying to parse like what it's saying. And if it's actually talking, or if I'm just imagining things. That's another hunt roll. Okay. What do you think about what skills or equipment might you exploit here, if any? I don't think I'm gonna have any of those. I know plants. I don't. I never raised animals. I don't think so. Certainly never talking weasels. <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely roll a single hunt roll die. Uh, just uh, forward slash hunt one, and we'll see what you get. Uh, I got antlers. <laughs> you got antlers. Yeah, that's good. Antlers are good on a, on a light die at least. Um, that's a six, so that's a full success. It means you get a token. Awesome. All you're guaranteed is a token, I, I, but nothing bad happens. You might learn more, though. It's a little unclear. Like, I think if one of your companions were to listen to what's being spoken, they may not understand what it is. You can tell that the language is coming from a deeper place, like the language of the Earth. The language that sort of animates things it almost feels like a bit of an insight because you've you've mentioned to us you've always had a hard time making things grow right and you are hearing this elemental language of growth of birth of renewal how does that make you feel i think that as someone who is cursed to kill everything that i try to grow this is definitely a secret that I'm seeking. It's what I hope to achieve on my my drive to get a place on the Earth in Council. And I feel like that, you know, my adventuring has maybe brought me here so that I could learn that. Like, it should probably creep you out, like a talking weasel speaking uh, in the, the magic language of the world. But to me, it's, it's almost inspiring. Thessal breaks out. He's usually a very uh, serious salt of the Earth kind of person. But when he smiles, he breaks out into this big grin, his mouth too big for his face, almost. And I think right as you're having this profound moment is when you'll hear Ezio screaming up ahead <laughs> right around that time, um, perhaps breaking your reverie to some degree. Saray, I'm going to throw this one on you, though. So Ezio cries out, and you quickly assess what the situation is, because... You have a protection skill. You have a vigilance skill. I think you're probably paying closer attention. Ezio screams, jumps back. You see this cluster of snakes. One of them manages to wriggle free and is within striking distance of Ezio. If Ezio keeps moving, if he continues to run or he makes any other sudden movement, that snake is going to strike 
What do you do, Saray? So Ezio is going to get bitten unless I intervene. And lucky for Ezio, I have a, a club. And I think in uh, in the in the the truest sense of the word, I would like to try and whip that snake into the air like the people that I've seen on many a YouTube video, just like <laughs> skyrocket that thing away from him. I love it. So this is a risk roll. When you attempt a risky task, say what you hope will happen, and you just did. And then we will all say what we think could possibly go wrong. And you know, we'll offer our ideas, and it's up to me ultimately to decide what happens if you fail. But we all get a chance to sort of speak. You don't have to, though, if you can't think of anything, J.D. or Nathan. I'll go with the obvious one, though. You're just a little too late, and the snake gets just under your club and strikes Ezio. J.D. or Nathan, thoughts? What could go wrong here? It could, rather than sending it away, because you said this was like a writhing ball of snakes, right? Not just one. But one has managed to kind of like break free. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Oh, but the ball of snakes is still there. It's still in play. Yeah. I think maybe instead of, of striking it, or maybe you strike it and you throw the snake into the ball and it scatters the rest of them. So then who knows where the snakes are? <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty gruesome. Uh, Nathan, any additions? I don't think I have anything to add to those. I like those two ideas and I don't want to get bitten and I'm a little, uh, I, I have a stake <laughs> in this and perhaps I should abstain. Fair enough. So Zachary, you're going to take a light color die if the task you're doing is something you're skilled at because of your occupation, background, training, or because you are taking advantage of a piece of equipment or the environment. I think between your protection skill and your club, you're definitely getting this first light die as you've described it. Now, the second light die is the, is the kicker. You get a second light die if you accept a devil's bargain from another player or the GM. And the devil's bargain is something that is true no matter what. Whether you succeed or fail, this thing happens. So the three of us can each make an offer and you can choose among them. My first offer is no matter what, the snake is pregnant and explodes with babies. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's a strong offer, Jason. Uh, JD or Nathan, would you like to make an offer? <laughs> Something that I'm supposed no to. I'm supposed to top that. No, it's good. Just, <laughs> just. That's the only one you're gonna get to choose from. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't top that. That's wonderful. You have one offer on the table, Zachary, <laughs> of which you... As God would have it, I'm going to take that offer because that is just too much to pass up. <laughs> Fair enough. And then you would be able to get a dark die if you were risking your mind or body in order to succeed. I don't think you quite are yet, but you can add the dark die later if you don't like the result on the light dice. So go ahead and roll forward slash risk two, and let's see how you do. Ooh, uh, five. So a five is a success with a complication. I'll tell you the complication, and you can decide if you want to add a dark die to try to get a better result. If you add a dark die, you get to reroll all of them and possibly get a six, which is better. But if the dark die is higher and it's higher than your current ruin, then your ruin goes up. But the complication is going to be one of those snake younglings goes inside your open mouth and down your gullet. 
Yeah, we're doing that. <laughs> uh, there's no way we're gonna. Yeah, sorry, team. I'm just really into that idea as well. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna re-roll anything. I'll I'll take the the snake youngling down my gullet. Please go ahead and describe how you otherwise save Ezio. What does it look like? I run in last second as the snake is lunging towards Ezio's ankle to bite and poison him, and I crack into its neck with my club to send it flying. But as I do that, its flesh just tears away. You just see a scattering of snakes all over us. They seem almost more formed than you would think. Is there a putrescence? Is there a... Oh, yeah, actively. Yeah, there's just... just, (laughs) Like, we are covered... Yeah, we are covered in the slime of newly birthed snakes. And one just flops down onto my lower chin and is at the creek on the side of my smile. And it just worms its way in like a worm on the end of a fishing hook that's going into my my mouth as I just begin choking and spittling everywhere. I would like for you to take a condition. Uh, the condition is going to be called snake nest or serpent nest. What do we? Whatever we think sounds better. I like I like the the serpent nest actually. I think make a note of that. It's something we can play with as a group later on. Meanwhile. Thessal, you hear the scream, you see the commotion up ahead. I think that scares the Mistelid. It kind of darts off. What do you do? I'm going to kind of shout over to it. Thank you for your wisdom, stout stoat. And then I'm going to run over to my to my party, because who knows what's going on if they're screaming over there. Scythe in hand, of course. Indeed, indeed. You get over there, and it's everything seems to be mostly under control. Why the screaming? We look like Slimer just left. <laughs> I, I was almost, I was almost bitten, and and Soray, uh helped helped me. It was you. You acted very valiantly, Soray. Thank you very much. <coughs> uh, I, uh, I think one might have went down the wrong pipe. <coughs> what was the right pipe? I just stare daggers through you of you making levity of a situation like this. I turn away from your gaze and continue to pat at my brow. Did you find anything, Thessel? I did, but nothing of interest to you two. Interesting statue. It seems we're both represented, Ezio. And I kind of like nod at your... Because you, you had a saber, right? Like a fencing rapier? I have a stiletto. I, I nod at your, your blade, right? Because at least you have a bladed one and obviously I have a scythe. There's still the martial arms, right, Verse, and, and the harvest, right? They're both there, right? Yeah. I didn't mention earlier, but the theme of our incursion is uh, is harvest. So we're seeing that play out in lots of different ways right now, which I think is great. So there is a statue. There are the ruins a little further up ahead, and you still haven't found the road to Hester's Mill. What do you do next? Is there a bowl or an altar that offerings have been put upon in front of the statue, or is it just a statue? Uh, I'll give you that for free. It's just a statue. It's on a plinth, and then the overgrowth is kind of like grown over quite a bit of the plinth in the lower part of the statue. Oh, I'm going to maybe wipe that away to see if there's any inscription or anything. Oh, nice. Good. That's definitely a hunt roll. So you get one light die for doing it, and you get another light die if you're using a piece of equipment or a skill. Uh, not really sk- plants. Does that does that count? <laughs> Ooh, <that's a> stretch. <laughs> uh, no, I think I, th- I think I'll just take the one. Okay. Now I will warn you. Whenever you roll just a single hunt roll die, you are fully at its mercy. Um, 
And if it's ever a one, you lose all your hunt roll tokens. Oh, no. <laughs> so just be aware of that. Oh, no. So if you can rifle around in your pack and find something helpful, I recommend it. But you don't have to. No, that's maybe a good idea. Let me look through here real quick. I don't have... Oh, I do, I do have a skinny knife. Do I need to cut plants away? I love it. That's great. Yeah. Okay, cool then. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm just going to pull my knife out, which is um, strapped to my hip, and cut across the plants then. Nice. Go ahead and roll a hunt roll two. Five. Go ahead and take a token. The terrible thing you encounter is not so much terrible as much, and it's really maybe more something that Saray notices, but the statue is a statue of Lord Galdron, this usurper lord who was a heretic who was overthrown a hundred years ago. And you'll pick up on the fact that he's intentionally mocking St. Hester by having the statue of himself positioned in this way. And it just kind of reflects the tension that existed when this land was populated. Saray, what are you up to right now? Reacting to that reveal. When everything is brushed away, can we say that it's in his face that you see the real mocking nature? Yeah, I love it. How so? What do you see? It is the the same like grin side to side where it's usually a stoic face of these religious types. This one, it's a toothy smile. Would you say it's a lupine grin, mm. <laughs> a wolf-like grin? Oh, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> the dirt, the dirt wolf. And I think instead of looking up, he's looking straight down at those who would meet his gaze instead of him looking up to the heavens. What a piece of shit. Yeah. How does it make you feel? Oh, it. It fills me with, like, righteous fury. I'm definitely just taking out my club and just bashing it against the the side of his leg. Like, infantilely, (laughs) right? Like, I'm just, like, angry at this mockery of my religion and the greater religious propriety. Well, so let's talk about that. Because you have as a drive to commission a glorious statue of your deity, so you obviously have a lot of, like, religious fervor. But you're also a defrocked priestess. Tell us a little bit more about that. How come you're not doing this thing that you obviously care so much about? It's a problem of optics. And in Saray's mind, the eyes of men do not understand the greater calling of or speech of the gods. To speak with the rodents is actually a gift. In my mind, the sigil of my church is the hawk that flies between countries and, and preys upon them. The priests thought my speaking to, to rodents was a sign of the devil, the sign of, of foul work. But I know that it's a cycle of life. The hawk would hunt the rodents. And so I must therefore show them through my life and my works that I was one of his vassals. That's super interesting. So in our in our world here, I will tell you that there are many, many, many disparate gods and religions and beliefs, and they're all sort of united by the sisters, by the saints. These sisters kind of give form to and unify what are many, many disparate religions, is sort of civilize it a little bit, right? And each of these saints, each of these sisters is dedicated to one particular aspect of life or a craft or something like that, right? Do you imagine yourself in the future being Saint Saray of the Vermin? Yes. To to elevate something so small would be a glorious gift or a, glori- a glorious reverent position because Saray looks around and sees 
gods of harvest and gods of hunts, bigger amorphous things, and her kindredness is with the smaller creatures, the true creatures, the creatures that reflect the soul of man in big scary quotes. Except for the snake that you just popped <laughs> it of course, of course. Well, you know, snakes are demonic. <laughs> good. So we, we're discovering the contours of your religious belief yes. here. It's good. Ezio, what are you up to right now? The two of them are staring at this big piece of stone that we can't use for any kind of money and apparently doesn't lead to the place that we get money. So we have a bit of a problem here where Ezio's getting bored. And as the two of them sort of stare in reverie at this, or anger and, and, and begin childishly batting at it, I'm going to take Saray's earlier advice and I'm going to begin walking toward the ruins. Yeah, I think by the time you, as you're heading towards the ruins, the sun is still hanging in the sky, but it's definitely getting to be a late in the afternoon. Um, it'll probably be dusk in a couple of hours. So you're kind of seeing the ruins in silhouette a little bit, the sun sort of behind them. And as you're approaching the ruins, you at one point get caught up in a gust of wind that causes a pile of dead leaves to cyclone around you, right? We have that moment, right, where you're in the middle of a a Sirocco of autumnal color. But you're getting closer to the ruins as you're approaching. And like I said before, they're about an eighth of a mile away. So you have a little bit of time. As you're approaching, what are you doing? Imagining all of the beautiful things that must be hidden within it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All golden craft chalices and rubies the size of your head. Vaults filled with gold plundered from the hubris of the man carved behind me. What you mostly find, at a glance, are piles of rubble. There, there are structures still standing, interior structures. The outer wall is, is, is kind of a mess, and it's kind of partially crumbled. There are burn marks, scorch marks on parts of the stone. If you were going to find a place to make camp, this would be a suitable place, because there's enough of the structure standing to where you can kind of get underneath it to get some protection from the elements and whatnot. But at a glance, it's mostly a lot of rubble. Doesn't mean there's nothing there, but that's just kind of what you see as you first arrive. What do you do then? Snapped out of my daydreaming, I begin petulantly tossing rocks around, looking for hidden doors. There must be a cellar somewhere, at least with some half-decent wine. Praying that I don't find another snake. <laughs> that's, that's a hunt roll for sure. You have one light die. Can you justify another light die with skills or equipment? I think security may apply here. I have, I have a sort of understanding of how these sorts of structures are usually laid out. Spaces, yeah. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I know where people would keep secret hidey holes. I agree completely. Uh, go ahead and roll two hunt roll dice. Double threes! I encounter uh, something terrible. You do indeed. And we're going to get to that. <laughs> well, let's do it now. <laughs> There's no wine, God. <laughs> yeah, perhaps you're like, where, where would the wine cellar be? Let me think of all the places I've broken into over the years. Going through all that. I think there's a sort of like quite a large piece of standing exterior wall that's looming over you as you're digging around in the rubble. And you start to feel a little drip, drip, drip on your head. I think you instinctively look up, and this little drip lands right on the interior of your lower lip, right inside your mouth, and the taste is a melange of vomit and bodily waste. It's so vile, and you see in the gray light of the space a pair of yellow eyes staring down at you, 
Something is clinging to the side of the wall, Spider-Man style, dribbling forth from its toothy maw. Saray, Ezio's gone off. What are you doing right now? Ezio is going to where I want it to be, and I, I am just angry at this whole party. People have not been doing what we were supposed to do. We are on a mission to plunder these feral grounds, these disgusting places for gold, for my god. And one man is sat and picnicked amongst the pumpkins, and another man has stuck his foot in a ball of snakes. Gather myself. I am praying for guidance. (laughs) I like it. Are you trying to contact a swarm of vermin or are you praying to your hawk god (laughs) you know what i really like is a a, a dab of a a dab of b i first pray to my hawk god and the feeling is one of forcing the brassiness of truth right you're like yes I've, i've prayed to my god the most important person and now it's time to really get something done and i would like to pray to those who i can affect and and engage with, which are the vermin of this world crawling about in its undergrowth. I like it. So it sounds like you're doing your ritual. Yeah. Your swarm ritual, which allows you to trade favors with a colony of vermin. This is a risk roll. What do you want them to tell you? What are you trying to find out? Because we found nothing in this place, and it seems empty of any treasure, I want them to point me in the direction of what we are seeking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I like that. And let's talk about uh, fail conditions. This is for JD and Nathan and myself. What do we think could happen if this ritual goes poorly for Saray, gang? It definitely attracts the presence and the attention of vermin. But unfortunately, the only vermin around here was that that pile of snakes. It, it's worth noting, yeah, I am I am a serpent nest now, too. Fair. Oh, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point, yes. <laughs> I would suggest perhaps that maybe there is something that is interfering with your attempt to commune with the rats. Perhaps somebody else communes with the rats here as well. Oh, see, kind of like that too. That could be a good devil's bargain as well. I thought like those. I don't think I have anything to offer as far as fails go. I am personally intrigued by the idea that those snakes were in a tangled ball. I didn't give it much thought at the time, but I'm kind of curious <laughs> if there's something there. <laughs> in any case, you get a light die if the task is something you're skilled at because of your occupation, background, or training, or because you're taking advantage of a piece of equipment or the environment. I don't think I get anything on this. I mean, maybe omen. I'm trying to, I'm, I was trying, I don't want to angle too hard, right? Like, no, no, do it. It's fine. I could see a situation where, like, maybe that's the way they communicate with you is they show you things, you know? I don't know. It's I actually but... like that a lot. Think of, like, the, the bees dance or whatever, you know? They communicate in symbology as they gather around themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. There's something there that reveals itself to you. I'm into it. Now, the more interesting lie die is the devil's bargain, of course. I think that... I won't offer mine yet. I'll wait for Nathan or JD to make an offer. I'll reiterate my previous, maybe the fail condition. I like, you hear the whispers of the rat god. I kind of like that. The rat god. Yeah. JD, any offers? The channeling of your magic quickens the growth of the serpent within you. Oh, that's pretty good. I think mine's going to be a variation on those two. I'm going to say that no matter what there is in the environment, a humanoid mass of snakes. I don't know how they reveal themselves. (laughs) 
but I like this as a thing. <laughs> so that's where I'm going with it. I think you have three good offers, though. <laughs> Mine's, mine sounds like the most dangerous, to be fair. Oh, I wonder which one I'm going to take. I want an antagonist, <laughs> whether it be a singular one or a, a mass of snakes. We're definitely <laughs> going to take the devil's bargain of having a human away. Like, let's give this ball of snakes a sentience. <laughs> I'm very into it. I'm, I'm super into it, yeah. So you got two light dice, and then you have to take a dark die because of the ritual. Oh, baby. Uh, three is the highest. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that is not uh, I can't. I can't believe I've done this. It's bad on all scores because you cannot re-roll because the dark dies highest. And it's higher than your current ruin. So your ruin goes up as well. It's all bad. I'm going to check in really quickly with Thessal and then we're going to get back over to Etsia. So Thessal, what are you up to? I was like standing and just kind of leaning on my scythe. As I watched Ezio kind of walk away, as he as he gets further on up the trail, I finally turned to Saray. Well, should we follow him? And then, oh, what are you doing? As you are channeling your magic in whatever physical way that I see you doing this. Well, so what? Yeah, what does that look like, Saray? I mean, what's the what's the process here? I think it starts as the simple prayer, but when we transition from praying to the hawk towards praying to the ground. To the rodents, you saw me clinch at the dirt on the trail and uh, bring my neck low towards the trail and run my chin across that like like an animal. Thistle, you're met with oh, there's definitely some like you know low guttural like sounds that you're not totally familiar with, but maybe you know. Thistle cocks an eyebrow and just keeps watching. <laughs> Fair enough. I think this is the first time I've seen you use your magics. I'm going to go over to Ezio. Ezio, this creature that is clinging to the side of this interior wall is emaciated. The skin is dingy gray, very thin, like there's not much cartilage. It's just kind of flesh pulled over bone. And it has very sharp talons, which allow it to stick to the wall. (laughs) Like it's literally piercing the wall of the stone. And these teeth which are bared at you, dribbling its juices or whatever we're going to call it. And the teeth are like there's rows of them. They look like they could just scissor away anything that gets caught inside. I would say it's about 15 feet overhead. It can jump down easily and get at you. Ezio, what do you do? (sighs) And I try not to move for a moment furtively looking around for anything that could possibly help me, afraid to make sudden movements. And I'm going to dash and pick up a brick, toss it at it to try to distract it, I'm going to run as fast as I can back to the party. So you're trying to escape? I am. Good. That's a risk roll. What could go wrong here? I'm going to say what's probably going to go wrong is you have to engage it in combat. It just it gets a jump on you and you got to fight it. But... If Zachary or JD have other thoughts, I'm open to hearing them. You guys don't want to see me fight this thing, right? Your, <laughs> your good friend Ezio? Guys? I don't know, but I think that's kind of... The, the, kind the writing's of on the wall there. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of something cute to help you get away and like, oh, I lost a pinky and it's <laughs> not great. This is fully my decision anyway, so it doesn't <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think we all know where this one's heading. Let's talk about the die pool. Light color die if it's something you're skilled at because of your occupation, background, or training. Acrobatics. I'm trying to make a quick and careful movement. Perfect. And you're also taking advantage of the environment by throwing the brick. So that's good. You get one light die. Devil's bargains. Hmm. 
No matter what, there are two more of these things on your tail. That's my very harsh offer. (laughs) Baby, you know just the weight of my heart. What else we got? Perhaps your companions will make you a better offer. (laughs) Maybe it spits some of its ichor and bile over you, which will perhaps lead to sickness, or perhaps it just helps it track you better. You get struck with some bile. That's pretty great. Zachary, an offer? No matter what, the small snakes that had stayed with you come off, and they begin crawling or slithering back towards their master in the keep. That's so cryptic and weird. I kind of look <laughs> It's your choice, Ezio. <laughs> I really like the idea of there being two more of these things. That makes a nice even three. <laughs> Great. Three for me, and you guys get a watch. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So it could have been being in combat with the group, right? We also have a mechanically enforced snake humanoid thing as well at some point. You're going to kill us in the first scene of this game, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. We'll see. And then, are you risking your mind or body? You're probably risking your body to get away, I think, right? I think so. And I will happily take a dark die there as well. Right. So two light, one dark. Okay, that's a five. Five light. That's good. You succeed, which means you do get away. There will be three of these things on your tail. The complication is going to be that you trip and fall. Oh, no. And one of your companions will have to grab you out of the way of danger. Or you can add a dark die and roll four dice. Yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> two light, two, two dark. light, two dark. Ah! Body. <laughs> five light again. <laughs> it's the same result. You can go again. You can do two light, three dark because your your dark is still low. Jason, I feel like this game perfectly set up against the gambler's mentality, right? It's like, come on, man, you could just open one more. Like you could add one more and you're and you've got your one five dice at that point. Exactly. I just want to see what happens. I'm gonna see I wanna do it. I wanna do it. Two light, three dark. Five dark. No, no. Come on. Oh, come on. And you have to stop and your ruin goes up. Damn. So let's um let's talk about that. I think your ruin goes up because you I think you just kinda land kinda hard on your leg when you fall, but you otherwise I'm not gonna give you a condition, but you otherwise get away. So like right yeah, well we'll say bruised leg. Give yourself a bruised leg condition. But otherwise, describe the scene. How do you get away? Fessel, in your sort of bemused observation of Saray, you hear from a little farther, about an eighth of a mile, in fact, down the way, as Ezio is full bore running down the path, and behind him are three grotesqueries, whom you can only just make out, but on the wind you can smell death. I love that. You do trip over some of the heavy overgrowth and you take a hard fall i think i'm gonna put you all in combat and i think until you recover Ezio, you will not be able to add a die to the combat so basically they have to go one round without the benefit of your assistance sweet if everyone's joining the combat or you can just leave Ezio to his fate it's up to the two of you i don't i don't don't want to speak for you but (laughs) but i feel like this is kind of where we're headed sorry Ezio's in trouble again I believe I am just gone, right, for a mo- at least another moment or two. Like, I'm not conveniently like, yeah, let's go, and I unsheath my club. I'm, my face is in the dirt, and I'm writhing around. Well, let's talk about the combat role, because I think that will answer some things here. So when you attempt to defeat a monstrosity, and in this case it's a trio of them, 
you have to first say how you expose yourself to injury or attack and then roll a single light die. So you've just described that, right, Saray? You're exposed because you're kind of coming out of this fugue state that you were in. So go ahead and roll a light die. Is that good or bad? The antlers. It's bad in the sense that you want to roll high numbers to defeat the monsters. Your weak point is six, so it's not really any worse than a five or a four, but it just is what it is. So you have a weak point of six. I'm actually going to give Ezio the full benefit of the success and say that you're you're actually not vulnerable, Ezio. I think your companions do manage to put themselves in between you and them for a moment. But Thessel, how are you vulnerable? I'm vulnerable because I'm going for Ezio. Right. Okay. You're the one grabbing Ezio. Okay, good. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not focused on defense right now. Love it. So go ahead and roll your weak point, forward slash weak. Three. Uh, three. Great. Six and three are the two weak points on the table. Now we're going to roll a pair of dark dice because there are two combatants. The endurance of these creatures as a group is 10. So we're always looking for the two highest dice, and we want to add them up to equal 10. Why don't you go ahead and roll it, JD? Ugh. Woof. Uh, that is two threes, <laughs> which is two hits on poor Thessel. You can take the hits, you've only got two ruined Thessel, or you can let your armor absorb the hit, in which case it takes both of them. So that would move my ruin up to four, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm going to save my armor. All right, so go ahead and give us the first part of the combat here, Thessel. What does it look like? I'm the first one who rushes ahead, and I'm going to try and pick Ezio up and carry him back away from these beasts. And I think as I move forward, I'm maybe able to do so, but the first one reaches me as I'm still bending over to pick him up and strikes me or bites me. Maybe it goes for a bite and its teeth cut across me, but at least I'm able to get Ezio back to his feet. And then I think that's when Saray is able to catch up to me to prevent me from just being straight up eaten. Nice. Good. Saray, give me a little bit more fiction here. What are you doing? I think as you plunge forward, I am awoken from my fugue state, but almost in like a tribal sense. I was grinding my chin across the dirt and I just, and I just grab my club from behind me like some wild man and just start running towards these beasts and just start clubbing at them furiously not understanding the whole situation but just coming to in a a world of survive or be eaten nice i love it Ezio, you can join the combat now just you have to describe how you are vulnerable or exposed having recently been set on my feet Ezio is confused and like his heart's pumping and dabbing once again at his brow I think I'm weak because I'm extremely frazzled. I just ran a long way. And while I'm somewhat light on my feet, I don't think I'm good at long distance. I think I'm fatigued and frazzled. Go ahead and roll your weak point. See what your weak point is. My weak point is one. So we have a six, a three, and a one. Second round of combat, we add a die for Ezio plus another die because it's the second round. So that's four dice. Go ahead and do the honors again, Vessel. There it is. So that's 10 total, with the top two being a 6 and a 4. Nice. But it also means that whoever had a 6 and a 1 takes a hit, because we did have a 6 and a 1. But you are going to be victorious. So go ahead and start describing your part in the combat. Kill one of these creatures in your narration if you wish, but they all have to be dead by the end. Thessel, kick it off. Luckily, I got Ezio back to his feet. I was able to pull my scythe around. And while Saray is beating them back, it kind of gives me the chance to advance. He's attacking wildly which keeps them focused on him i think and i'm able to just undercut some of the legs of one of them which knocks it down to the ground enough for me to just sink the back of my scythe into its back 
Nice. Keep it going, Saray. Yeah, I beat one in the corner of its big dumb eye, and you see it unblinking, like look around, bloodshot, and I just grab and rip its eye out of its head, and then I just knock its teeth in with my club as it sends the shards of its teeth into the side of its face. Nice, nice. And I'm assuming that same one manages to scratch you with its claws. Oh, I think so. Right. I'm in the verve of my god, and scratches be damned. I'll take them all day. Nice. How many ruin are you up to now? I believe with that, that sends me to three? Uh, you started at two, so you should be at four. Oh, then yes, I am at four now. Very good. Finish it up, Ezio. So two of the three are dispatched by my compatriots, and Ezio, frazzled and, and panting, spitting the bile that had landed in his mouth. I'm clutching my stiletto to my chest, and as the third one breaks the line, it runs at me open-mouthed, and I stick my stiletto out into its open mouth and up through the roof of its mouth and into its brain. And so it comes down hard on my arm and is impaled and dies there. Nice. That was a great combat. Good job. The monstrosity, we roll the endurance number in gold dice to see how much stuff you can get from them. So since you took it on the chin hardest, Ezio, why don't you roll the gold dice? Got one gold. One gold. (laughs) You know, that's better than nothing. So tell us, whoever has an idea, what is the one valuable thing you're able to recover from these bedraggled creatures? The glands that make the disgusting putrescence. Oh, nice. Good. Is it like a yellow or like what? what? Let's say that they sunburst out. They start yellow and then they make their way to brown at the tips where the spit comes out. (laughs) Once the living thing stops living, they become almost calcified, disgusting (laughs) messes and they smell absolutely horrific. They smell so bad because when it was living, it smelled like human excrement. You can only imagine what they were cooking up and if you let it sit for even 20 minutes without a warm body. I love it. What are we calling these creatures? I was thinking bile dogs. That's the best I've got. My, my suggestion was going to be ill belchers. I could go either way. Ill belchers. That's pretty good, too. What do you think, Z? I would like to introduce a nickname for them, which is belchers. I think ill belchers. And I'm noting that you are able to get glands off of them. Uh, whoever's holding on to the ill belcher glands, make a note of that on your sheet and make a note that it's worth one gold as well. That counts as found equipment, so you'll just note it in your found equipment. Is that me? It sounds like it's me. It's definitely you. I think you're the most money hungry. I haven't forgotten about this snake thing, so I'm just waiting for the right moment to reveal it. I think in the short term, perhaps the ritual was interrupted. You weren't able to complete the the fullness of what you were trying to accomplish, Saray, but I haven't forgotten about it. It's going to happen. In the meantime, I think the sun is starting to get a little lower in the sky probably getting to be closer to dusk it's not quite dusk we're definitely getting there let's just pick up the scene there what are you all doing what's going on what's your next plan that kind of thing Ezio collapses onto the ground clutching at his bleeding arm he's pale and panting (laughs) this damned place here let me see it Uh, and I'm gonna examine his wounds and see if there's anything I can do to help Because you have surgery and forensics and herbs, because you're a leech, I'm going to say yes. Normally, this is not something you can do. If you're willing to do a risk roll, I'll let you heal him. Uh, Yeah, I think so. In that case, what could go wrong? (laughs) 
<laughs> Ezio is actually stronger. He, he, if you fail, he becomes too strong and rules the party. I will take that under advisement. <laughs> we've we've got someone hiding in the shadows. It's pretty good. I'm gonna just say that like you're not gonna kill him, but I think maybe it becomes a festering wound. Like you're not able to keep the fester under control. You're obviously getting a light die because of your skills. Devil's bargain. No matter what, the humanoid swarm of snakes teaches you how to heal him and i offer that fully knowing that i owe quite a bit at this point if you take that one <laughs> vis-a-vis the snake thing <laughs> no matter what Ezio will always walk with a limp to his leg where the healing had taken place because there were not materials around uh you get to make an offer as well nathan the thing that comes to mind is that the baby snakes, which are still hanging on to my skin find their way within you too Thessal. Uh-huh. A lot of invasive snake stuff going on. I'm very into it. What do you think, Vessel, of those three offers? I like the idea of being taught healing, but the invasion of the serpent nest business, I think, is too good and and makes a lot more sense because I don't necessarily want to interact with the humanoid snake just yet. So yeah, I will take that devil's bargain and become a serpent nest myself. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how this is going. I love it. I think you're rolling two light dice, so let's have a risk two. Five. Nice. Um... I'm going to make the complication just that it's going to be a named condition. I think that one of these little snakes manages to be on your body somehow, and you will also get the serpent nest condition, which I think is clearly something that's becoming an important part of the story. I don't know exactly what it means yet, but we're going to get there. I know we are. If you're okay with that, we can go ahead and just keep that, or you can try to roll again with a dark die. Ooh, should I try to roll? I might roll again with a dark die. Oh, okay. Go for it. Nope. Dark five. All right. (laughs) So your ruin is going up as well. That was a mistake. All right, cool. I'm now at ruin five and I am a serpent nest. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's where your ruin's coming from as well. I think you have an understanding as the snake enters your body. I'm going to say it enters through your ear. Can I make a suggestion? Maybe I did also get cut on the side and I like the idea of it being attracted to my warm blood. Yeah, I like that. And I think that you are starting to hear that earth language inside your head that language that the mustelet was speaking i think the serpent is somehow speaking in quotes whatever that means in this context to you in that way and it's pushing you to a point of being lost but that's where you're at you're otherwise successful if you want to describe how you're able to help Ezio get his wound under control. I'm going to let you do the same thing for yourself as well. Uh, you can both knock a ruin off, but just describe it. Yeah, I think I take advantage of the overgrowth, right? And I, I manage to find some plants that I know both numb, but also help keep infection under control. And so I pack our wounds, our bleeding wounds, with these flowers and these leaves in order to stop the wounds from bleeding, but also stop it from getting any worse or getting an infection for both of us. So I think at this point, it's definitely getting to be dark. You can try to press forward. You can continue trying to look for the road to Hester's Mill or some other valuables inside the ruins. You can get ready to make camp if you want to do that. Those are all options. Saray, what are you thinking right now? You've had some time to yourself while they're doing that. I think we need to recoup. And I think potentially it's a twofold. We go back within the keep now that we've drawn out the monsters and hopefully find refuge there. And it might give us a moment to 
kick around a few more stones and see if there's anything inside. I think that's fair. Well, let's have a hunt roll, Saray, since it was your idea. Yeah. You've got one light die for doing it, another light die if you can exploit a piece of equipment or your skills. I suppose the one I might angle for is my skill of vigilance. As the sun is coming down, I'm willing to keep post for the others to kind of look around. I will stand stalwart for them. Yeah, I like that. That's that's good. I'm into that. Roll two hunt roll. Dice too light. Got a six. Nice. Go ahead and take a token. The group is kind of looking around and you're sort of like keeping an eye on things, Saray. It is getting to be fairly late at this point. And you will find a half-collapsed structure inside the keep that appears to have been some sort of library or office or something like that. There is a bunch of moldering and desiccated books just everywhere, kind of spilled all over the place. There's an old desk that is kind of cracked in half, but you will find inside that desk what appears to be a ledger, Lord Galdron's ledger. It is of value to people who are into such things, antiquarians, that kind of thing, historians. It's worth one gold if you want to tuck that into your gears or your found equipment. Absolutely. Ezio, what are you doing in the meantime? So as, as my companions are making camp, never one for hard labor, or any labor, <laughs> I again begin wandering off, muttering to myself, lighting a candle. There must be something around here. I just thought. Again, kicking over stones. I still have it in my head that there must be a cellar door or something here anyway. It is so beautiful to say. That's great. Um, so you get a hunt roll. You're going to get two dice because you're a candle. So go ahead and roll two hunt. Whoa! <laughs> oh, yeah! Boxcars, baby! <laughs> Take a token. Woo! I get a token too, guys. You know, you're not finding much in the ruins, but I will say this. You see, silhouetted in the moonlight, what is almost certainly some sort of grain storage building. We know that St. Hester is a harvest saint. We know that Hester's Mill is a a mill (laughs) village. Grain is a thing they're into in this area, right? And so this might be a clue about where the road can be found. Hmm. I am going to spend my token immediately, because I would like also... To find some treasure. Perhaps some drinkable treasure. I think that's fabulous. Let me take a look at my list real quick. Oh, good. (laughs) Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that this was the site of an attack, right? The, The history doesn't make a lot of sense because the history indicates that this village of grain farmers managed to overthrow this lord and defeat all of his soldiers and run him out or burn the whole place down right this part of the history just has never made any sense but it's a story that people stick to but there's some evidence here you find a skeleton the skeleton is of one of lord cauldron's men you assume because it is wearing a chain shirt that is not in bad condition. It's only going to be worth something if you get the rust cleaned off. You can take it as a piece of equipment, increase your burdens by one, but you have a piece of armor now, or you can keep it as treasure, in which case it will be worth one gold when you go back. So as I I hold my candle aloft in somewhat awe of this grain building, which is silhouetted so strongly against the moonlight, I trip over this skeleton and hear the rattling of what I can only assume are chains, and I, as I begin scrabbling toward it, I, I hold it up and 
Now oh, it's not so bad. I'm gonna stuff it away in my pack. I am not wearing that armor, Jason. <laughs> you don't have to. It is worth it is worth one gold though, so chain shirt one gold. So I think the camp is probably set up at this point. What's next? Let's do the campfire cooking scene. We're probably cooking up a poor tasting stew out of whatever rations we've brought along with us. Well, I mean, this place is lush with squash and greeneries. I mean, I think we'd be savvy enough to take advantage of that while we can. Yeah. So it's probably not the best thing, but like a bunch of boiled squash doesn't sound that bad. Yeah, we're making squash soup with maybe some of the grains in there. Like, yeah. I have a request. A request from Ezio. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Tell us a story in character or out of character. In character would be really good, though. About the Rose District of Ombre. Why do you want to retire there so badly? What's so great about it? Coming back to camp. Oh, good, good, good. You've already made the dinner. Thank you. Rattling with the chain shirt in my backpack. Ah, I begin shoveling soup into my bowl. Have I told the two of you about Ambre? No, please go on. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. It's the capital city in case you want that detail. But yeah. Which makes the question doubly absurd, which I am more happy. You ever heard of New York City, New York? (laughs) No, never. (laughs) Please, my simple Iowan mind could never fathom a world on the East Coast. So my interest lies specifically in the Rose District. Have I told you this? No, I am so glad that you have asked. Thessal's mouth was open to say something and then just gets cut off. So the Rose District is so named you would think it would be for flowers. You would think that would be for perfumes. You would think it'd be for women, perhaps. But no! It is for the beautiful stone that the city is carved from. It sparkles in the sunlight with a beautiful pink hue. And if you are careful and you pour your champagne oh so carefully before it, you can see the crystals that make up the very essence of life. I have spent much time there, and I hope to retire there. Have I told you? No? Good. Because I hope to retire there. I hope to spend my elder days in luxury. I hope to sell off these pittance, these boots, as I kick at the air. And some of the putrescence from the exploded snake (laughs) earlier flies off and hits Saray's bowl. (laughs) I love it. That's good. Thank you. I think I just want one scene. One watch with Saray. Your companions are asleep. You have managed to find a uh, a structure to, to nestle inside, ventilated enough to make a fire. Your belly is, I wouldn't say full, but you have eaten. And importantly, you perhaps finished your dinner before before bile was, like, fell into your bowl. You know, I think it's one of those moments where it's like really late and you're just kind of sitting there with your thoughts, perhaps. And you start to hear voices Many, many voices, but they all speak at once. And the voices say, We We are many, many, and and yet yet we we are one. What do you do? This is something Saray has never heard before. The small whispers of the rodents are always individual. To hear something so vast, so all-encompassing, like what she wants to hear when she prays to her god, her actual god. I am I am here. Is that you? You, you have, have called, called out to us. us. 
and we are answering your call. I am but a humble servant of, 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 of what we wish to do. You are not a servant. You are a vessel. Please, please guide me in, in, the, in the ways in which we may understand the world in front of us. I wish, I wish to make everything perfect and in your image. Come to us. We shall follow the path. We, we, we know the path forward. We shall follow the path. Do you leave it be? Or do you try to find them right now? I think I stand up with my arm outstretched, almost trying to like sense as if their presence was just outside of the firelight that I've made. You had said that the keep had a ruined front. The outside wall had been taken down. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting on top of that, standing over watch, and I, I make my way out into the forest. You see a figure in the distance, 100 paces away, say, the moonlight behind it, and it appears to be the vague shape of a man. You can't see any details, but you know that this is who's speaking to you. I wish to do everything correct for you, to do everything right and true, if I can. Please come within the light of this flame. They make no response for a time. They just stand there, and they say, Very soon, we will require the use of your corpus. You are the vessel, and you will be filled. I wish only to understand why, truthfully, the hawk flies over the fields and protects them. I will be sure to be ready when you call upon me. And I think we'll just end that scene there. The next day, a paint-the-scene question for all of you. How do you know that this place is teeming with life before you even see it? The voluminous buzz of insects, like almost white noise. The crosstalk chatter of all of the different types of birds all singing their different songs to each other any fresh cut vegetable right the ripe smell of that that's overwhelming from the front of your head to the back when i awaken i just smell vegetation it's just overwhelming like fresh cut grass and mint and basil and wild garlic all and wild once. onion all oh. at once all at once yeah i love that thank you a short jaunt out to the silo and a cursory examination around it will reveal the road because they would need the road to deliver the grain. Set goal complete. You have found the road. Thessal, what's your next move? What do you do? So we found the road, but it's still overgrown, and I imagine rather treacherous. And we don't necessarily know how far the village still is or what kind of winding path this might take. I'll give you this for free. If you follow it for just a little bit, you'll find yourself at an elevated position that looks down on the village. So basically, if there's anything you want to do before setting out, I guess. Yeah, I, all I was going to do was actually go try to find a high elevation point and check it out. But if there's one on the path, great. <laughs> Let's talk about that. The Road to Hester's Mill is the next set. The set goal is to learn the secret history of Hester's Mill. Now, the road is overgrown, but it's fairly easy to follow once you've found it. And when you first set out, you're on this elevated position, and you can kind of see all the important areas, basically all the places that are left in the incursion. You can kind of see them all. A little ways down the road, there is what appears to be a campsite. You can see 
a trickle of smoke coming up, the telltale sign of a fire that was just put out. You can also see some tents and things like that. And a little further down the road from that, there is what appears to be a small shrine. These little small roadside shrines would be a very, very common sight in the countryside. This is probably a shrine to St. Hester. And a little further down the road is the village itself, what's left of it anyway. You can see the mill, for one thing, the big round mill building, but there's also some other things. To the north of the village, there is what appears to be a farmhouse of some sort. A farmhouse and, like, what appears to be well-kept rows of corn, which doesn't make a lot of sense with what you know about this place, because there's not supposed to be anybody here. And then to the south of the village, there is a gallows hill. You can see a gallows, basically, where people would have been hung. So that's sort of the whole lay of the land. So what do you think? Well, it sounds like we should at least tackle the first bits as they come. So this campsite sounds like the first order of business. I definitely want to try and investigate. There's not supposed to be anybody living here, but I also want to know if there's another group of treasure hunters around, perhaps, which would not be good for us. I'll turn to my companions and... You see that campsite ahead? We should check it out. See if we have competition. Would, um, would you like me to do a reconnaissance? Last time you did reconnaissance, you brought down these ill belchers on us. I think we should go forward as a group. Plus, if there are, in fact, things we must deal with, unholy things, it is better that we are together, for we must end them, for they do not work on behalf of the Lord. In his mind, Ezio was remembering all the times he had to share gold with you two. <laughs> I suppose you're right. It's for the best. And with that, I think that Thessal pushes off further along this road. Uh, I think I'm keeping my feet in the well-worn wagon trench that still is there to help us follow it along the path, using my side as a walking staff to help keep my balance as I walk across this vegetation. Nice. Good, good, good. If there is somebody at the camp, are you just going to directly say, oh, hey, hello, like call out to them? Or are you going to try to be surreptitious about this once you get closer? No, I want to I wanna know before we walk in. I'm definitely... Yeah, we're being totally surreptitious. I want a hunt roll from someone. Whoever has the most applicable skills can take it. I have surprise. <laughs> That's... <laughs> that could work. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I have that might is plants and knowing how to move through them without making a lot of noise, but I don't know if I even buy that. Sounds like a more observational skill makes a little more sense. I do like the surprise angle if you can justify, Ezio, what this looks like, like how you're getting the jump on the situation, as it were. So as we're coming down the path, the smoke still rising from the extinguished campfire Thessal is walking forward with the conviction of somebody who's going to confront someone head on. And so Ezio falls back and, hey, this way. And we're going to start creeping around through this overgrowth that's still alongside the path. And we're all going to, like, duck down and Ezio's going to move a little bit farther ahead. And I'm going to climb a tree. Yeah, take a two light dice hunt roll. That's a five. Nice. So you encounter something terrible, but you get a token. Take your token. As best you can tell, there's just one man at the camp. You see one tent and not much gear, certainly not more than one person needs, and you see the man. He is older. You can tell from the 
gray of his beard and hair, but he's armed and he seems hale and healthy. The terrible thing is he puts on a bandolier and hanging off the bandolier are what appear to be, as best you can tell from your position, withered hands, like severed hands that are desiccated and dried, just hanging one after the other. What do you do? Ezio gags a little bit, clutches at his chest, even pats at his brow, and begins climbing back down the tree. There's only one guy there. There's one person. Uh, but he has... He has adorned himself with parts of people. What do you mean, parts of people? Hands. <laughs> Hands of people? Is he armed? Uh, he has, a, at the very least, a, a sword. Uh, he, he does not look hungry. <laughs> uh, he may very well be prepared for a fight. Perhaps one of us should distract him while the other two sneak up behind and disarm him. Why are you looking at me? If there's going to be a direct confrontation, it seems you're the most able to defend yourself. So I'm supposed to just go down there and ask him how his day is. What's your plan? He begins humming a song, or sort of singing a song out loud. You can hear it. It's a jolly song. A shanty sort of song, you know, with lots of verses, you know, funny characters, and he seems to be enjoying his morning. I will go down and distract him. Maybe speak to him. Perhaps he is just a simple fellow who is here at the end of the world looking for... I am willing to go down and speak with him. If you're scared, Saray, I can go. It is fine. I will trudge on. And I go back out to the road and the well-worn tracks and walk amongst them and make my way down to this man singing his jaunty tune. He sees you. Oh, hello. Hello, good sir. I. How do you know I'm good? One can only assume anyone is good under the, the bright lights of the Lord. Yes, well, perhaps that's true. I didn't expect to encounter anyone all the way out here, and yet here you are. What brings you to this blighted land? As you are well aware... Am I? We all must look for great things and wonderful things to sift shiny diamonds from the sands and salts of the earth. I am here looking for such glowing gems as yourself. I don't know if you're speaking figuratively or not, friend, but I will tell you that there are no gems to be found here, only misery and death. But not at my hand, I'm friend. I will note here that you don't see the bandolier of hands. His cloak is closed. He seems to have intentionally covered it. What, may I ask, uh, is your disposition about the afterlife? <laughs> don't you think it's a bit early for spiritual discussions? It is never early enough. One must ask the sun why it rises. And I ask you, sir, why you rise from your grave. <laughs> Well, I'm on a hunt. That's what gets me up every day. A hunt, you say? A hunt? For what? Well, I don't know if I should say. But how about this? There's something very, very evil in this land, and I intend to root it out. 
I intend to take the land back. I must ask you, sir, you're not the man who I encountered earlier, the statue, who stared down at me with wicked eyes and told me that he makes a mockery of this land. That is not you. You are a virtuous man, a man who would reclaim this land for the Lord, not, not like him who perverted this place. I do not know of his works, but I could see it in his eyes, the sculpted eyes of this man. You know him, don't you? Well, if you're speaking of the old lord who used to rule these lands, that was over a hundred years ago. If I were him, I would be in rather bad shape. I am merely a hunter, and I have an interest in cleaning out the rot of this place. Our interests uh, may be twinned, may be aligned, for I too wish to cleanse this place of its impurities. Well, I hate to break it to you, but I'm a bit of a lone wolf. I prefer to do all my work by myself, and I don't really need a sidekick. I wouldn't ask to be such a sidekick for you, sir. I only wish to understand your true natures. Tell me about your friends that you came with. Friends, sir? Yes. I have something of a sensitive nose, and I detected three people on the wind. There were no people with me on the wind. Perhaps you were mistaken. Yes, perhaps I am. Well... I hope you, and only you, find good fortune on your solo journey up the road, though I do recommend you go back the way you came. There's nothing good here. Are you sure about that? I am very certain. I'm going to try and club this guy in the head, I think. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's no way I'm not. Are you going to attack him? Yes, I will attempt to club this man in the head and knock him unconscious. Oh, you're going to try to knock him out. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Not necessarily combat him, okay? We'll make it a risk roll to start, and maybe it rolls into something worse, but a sneak attack, a sneak clubbing is definitely a risk roll. What could go wrong here, Nathan and JD? The hunter is faster than Saray and simply ducks under it. Yeah, I think the penalty could be quite harsh indeed. I think he may like do some very, very clever sword work and disarm you, maybe even cut your throat before you even realize what's happening. Uh, let's take a look at your dice. Are you getting a light die because of your skills or because you're taking advantage of a piece of equipment or the environment? Yeah, the club. And also my skills are speed. Oh, yeah, good. Devil's bargains. Hmm. My devil's bargain is no matter what, he gets a hand. One of mine. <laughs> One of yours. <laughs> just to just to clarify. <laughs> just in the woods. Ah, oh, my hand! <laughs> I love it. I was going to posit that you strike true enough and fast enough, but your club breaks over oh, his head. That's good. That, is, that is a good. My sanctified weapon. He isn't as alone as he seems. The rest of his pack shows up. Well, what do you think? I'll take the devil's bargain that he is not alone as he seems. No, that's great. I love it. You're definitely risking your mind or body, so go ahead and roll two light, one dark. Um, all right. Uh, I rolled a six, and I cannot re-roll, I guess. So yeah, it's, I a, it's a six dark. So you're going to knock him out. That's definitely going to happen. I think what you don't 
realize until it's too late is that he has laid out a bear trap (sighs) and that bear trap snaps on your leg and i think he did this even possibly knowing that the three of you were there anticipating you approaching him in some way and so he laid this out and to make things extra interesting the other two of you will be aware of a bear that maybe is who the bear trap was originally intended for it is skulking around the perimeter of the camp maybe not a danger right away but it's a thing I'm going to give you the condition injured ankle, but you otherwise managed to knock him out. What does that look like? It's as one would write it in the scene, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then just the club comes out from my side and just bashes him across the face. And I step forward to grab him by the scruff. Like I'm going to tie him to a tree and then just that bear trap catches on my fucking leg and just probably breaks a bone. I mean, these old bear traps are nothing to be goofed around with he's just unconscious but i'm screaming at him as i'm frolicking about trying to get this bear trap off my shin i'm just struggling for my damn life i'm struggling for my leg i guess yeah well so for the other two of you it's safe now except for the bear that you are aware of being uh stalking around the perimeter of this place or at least in the vicinity what do you do I think as soon as Saray clubs the man and that bear trap goes off, I'm going to run into the clearing and make sure that he's actually out of it. And as soon as I know that the hunter is, in fact, not going to just stand back up from that, I'm going to try to help pry this bear trap off of Saray's leg. Yeah, you can totally do that. Your leg is a little jacked up. Uh, Saray, and that's reflected in your ruin and the condition. But you all have this camp secured, except for that bear. I'm going to check in with Ezio. Ezio, I think you see the bear. What do you do? As Thessel begins to run off, Thessel, I think there's a bear. Thessel? And I see the bear sort of stalking around, looking at the food that the hunter had put out. Uh, And I'm going to start slowly backing away from it. And joining up with the party in the clearing, should I have the laterality to do so? Uh, what did he say? Oh yeah, you have a bear. You have your you know. <laughs> yeah. Ah! <laughs> ah, right. So um, all all right. Uh, ah, and I'm gonna open the hunter's cloak and see the bandolier of hands. Can I ask what's going on with this? Is there more to it than a bandolier of hands? Uh, you can make a hunt roll if you're asking questions about the world, so by all means. I would love to investigate this bandolier. I'm sorry, it's a handolier. It's right there. <laughs> got All right. <laughs> it is right there. <laughs> you're, right you're right. Uh, you've got one die unless you can maybe maybe some of your, your open equipment slots would be helpful, but otherwise I think you got one die. So. Mm, no, I'm just going to take the one. All right, go for it. That's a three. The hands are not just hands. They're paws, some of them. They are hands that end in razor-sharp claws or talons. And I think here, as we see you seeing these strange, monstrous or feral or unusual hands on this bandolier, and Saray screaming in pain as Dessel tries to remove the bear trap, I'd like to just 
end the session with the camera panning out. You get a nice, like, sky shot of that. And then it kind of zooms in on that bear. And the bear is clearly watching the scene. Contempt turns around and walks away. We follow it for a time. And the bear rolls over on its back. Its legs splayed wide. It's, well, like a woman giving birth. And we see something tearing out of the bear's belly. The flesh and the fur is ripping. And a pair of hands wedges their way up through the tear in the bear's flesh and pulls it apart from the inside. And we hear the ripping of the bear's flesh. And a woman emerges from the inside of the bear, covered in viscera and gore, completely naked, shaking, eyes wide, confused, but she takes a moment to collect herself, and she walks to the banks of the Torrin River to clean herself off. 